Well, good morning, church. Would you all stand to your feet real quick? We're going to worship the Lord as everybody's coming on in. I wanted to remind us of what Psalms 100 starts out with. It says, to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, to enter his courts with gladness, with singing. And, and I feel like we should be entering in today with a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving. And, and so let's start to lift up our, our, our thanks to him. Lord, we praise you and we give you all glory and honor and praise. We give you so much of our, our heart this morning because you have given so much to us, Lord, and we give our thanks to you. In your name we pray. Lord, I am grateful. 
we praise you. Jesus, we worship you, God. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we thank you that your love for us, God, is, is so amazing. For it rescued us from our bondage. It rescued us from our sin and shame. Lord, you loved us to such lengths that you would be nailed to a cross, God. And yet, Lord, we know that the cross is our victory. Lord, when you went to the cross, you nailed all of our shame there. And Lord, when you raised, we are raised with you. And so this morning we sing to you, Lord. There's not enough words to describe how much we appreciate what you've done for us, Lord. There's not enough words to describe what you've done for us, Lord. But we sing of your amazing love. And Lord, in the same, in the same place, we, we also sing from victory. We sing from a, a place of triumph, God. Because you have defeated the grave, God. Thank you, Jesus.
victory that we can sing from, that we can shout with joy in our hearts knowing that you have already won the battle, Lord. There is no condemnation in this place. There is no shame. There is no fear in this place, God. It is not welcome. We give you glory. We give you praise. We glorify your name. said this in the, the first service and I just feel like when we're singing words like that and a lot of our songs declare the victory of, of the Lord right and I think the amazing thing is that when we're singing out about the victory we're not singing about a, a, a far off kind of experience of someone else right it says that when Christ raised from the, the dead that we were raised with him and so when we sing out victory and when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, it's not a freedom moment of, of way a long time ago or an, a, an experience that's far off. It's our freedom moment, right? When we put our faith in him, a, a freedom happens in our heart. And so the cross and the grave and, and the resurrection isn't long ago. It's with us in our hearts all the time. We are raised with Jesus. So put your faith in him this morning. Lord, we praise you and glorify you. Thank you for the freedom that we have in your name, Jesus. Thank you for the freedom that we can sing and declare and shout. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We give you all glory and honor and praise this morning. We thank you, Lord. We glorify your name. Amen, church. Are we thankful for the freedom that he's given us? Amen. Well, with that being said, we are so, so glad that you're here with us this morning. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you. Give them a hug, a handshake, welcome them. We'll keep it moving.
Join us for three days of prayer and fasting, September 30th through October 2nd. Nothing can stop a church that is united in prayer. So we hope you'll join us each night at 7 p.m. as we intercede for our church family and petition the Lord for our nation. Save the date for our father-son campout, October 4th through the 5th. This is a chance for fathers and sons to experience God together in the great outdoors at Green Valley Lake. You can register online on our church app or pick up a registration form in Kidstown. You're invited to the Foursquare Missions Press Annual Partnership Gala on October 17th at 6.30 p.m. Join us in celebrating the wonderful work of FMP. Tickets can be purchased online at foursquaremissionspress.org. Men's Conference is right around the corner on October 18th through the 19th. Join us for this two-day conference, Kingdom Men Rising, with guest speaker, Dr. Michael Larkin. This will be an amazing weekend of teaching, worship, and fellowship with other men of faith. Pick up a brochure at the Welcome Center or register online. Cornerstone Singles are having a game night, and it's going to be another incredible evening of fellowship, games, and pizza. You won't want to miss it. If you're single and in between the ages of 30 to 50, then join us Saturday, September 28th at 7 p.m. right here at the Cornerstone. Growth groups are just kicking off, and it's a great place to build relationships in our church family while we pray and study God's Word together. We have dynamic groups both on and off campus, and there's something for everyone. Join us Wednesdays on campus at 7 p.m., and we'll help you connect with a group or visit us online or mark your connection card to find out more about off-campus groups. We're going to teach you a new song this morning, a new worship song. So if you want to sing along or clap or, you know, really let it move you, hint move you, let it move you.
Yeah, it kind of ended abruptly, huh? You weren't ready for the ending. That was great. Did you like that? That was great. Love that. Good morning, family. We started a series last week called Seeking the Heart. And um, Scott brought a great message last week. In fact, yeah. If you had, have not heard that message, I encourage you to go online and uh, go to our website and, uh, and listen to it. Um, or I think it's on YouTube. Uh, YouTube? I'm not YouTube. Um, iTunes. Um, podcast. Thank you. We, um, we're, we started this series called Seeking the Heart, and what we're looking at is the heart of God. How, how, do you, how do you seek the heart of God, or why would you seek the heart of God? And we're, we're looking at the life of David in, in our pursuit. Um, David is an interesting, well, a very important person in the scriptures. He's, his name is mentioned more than anyone else other than Jesus. And um, there, is more, there are more um, verses about David's life than anyone but Christ. And he's uh, more than Abraham, more than Moses, more, more than Elijah, which are the next three in the list. And, and those, those people all have um, things about their life that when you think about Abraham, you think about the father of faith, right? He's the, he's the one who, who started this whole thing, at least with the Hebrews and discovering God and leaving the land that, and going to a place that God had called him to. And so, you know, Abraham is a very important person in, in the scheme of, of, uh, of scriptures and, and uh, God's revelation. And then Moses, he brought the law, and he's known for that. Not only bringing the law, he's, he's known as a man who's, who spoke to God face to face. He had an encounter with the glory of God, a portion of the glory of God that, um, that caused, even as people looked upon him after he had seen just a portion of the glory of God, that the people had to turn away. It was just the reflection of God's glory was so powerful. You have Elijah. Oh, he's known not only for the miracles, but he's and and his kind of con confrontation with the prophets of Baal. But he's known as a guy that he never died. You know that's a that's a, that's kind of something special. You know he never died. I don't. He how old is he? He was translated. You know he was the first rapture person. So. Um, well, second, actually, after Enoch. But um, David is known as a man after God's own heart. And uh, we, we look at the, the story of David. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the life of David. And there's so much in the life of David. It could, we could spend a couple years doing that. We're not going to. Um, but in our time, we're going to be pulling out sections of Scripture of his life that help us to understand what it means and what are the things that were, would help identify him as a man after God's own heart so that we can apply those things to our life so that we can be people after God's own heart as well. I think 
it's the one of the the the, the things that well the thing that God desires above all else. We'll we'll look at that in, in a minute. So we start off the story of David and this morning um, as King Saul, the first king of Israel, was um, wasn't doing well. The people had asked, desired, and in fact demanded that God give them a king. And up until that time, God had given them prophets. He had raised up prophets, men of God that were after you know that that uh, that were holy men set aside unto God, and God would speak to them. But they weren't kings, and they wanted well, they wanted a king like the other nations. Listen, when you start, other nations start dictating what you want, um, that, that's probably a problem because they're worshiping false gods. But they, they desire that. And God gave them a king after the heart of the people. And he, he, he chose Saul. And Saul had all the outward lookings of a king. I mean, he had everything. You know, he was, he was tall and handsome and good looking and and he kind of commanded respect as a leader. And, uh, and it wasn't that he had an evil heart outside. I mean, what, you, what looked like, he was a man that would be a follower of, of God. But the inside wasn't as pure as what the outside looked. And he was a man that the people wanted. But Saul had failed God. He had, he had rebelled against God over and over again. This was the th- third strike, if you would, on this on his life, and he was unrepentive. That was the biggest thing about Saul. He wasn't really seeking God. He just wanted to look good in front of the people. And so when he did rebel, and God even said he was taking his kingdom away, he asked Samuel if he would walk with him so he'd look like, you know, God was still with him. That was Saul. And God said he wanted, he was going to replace him. And his time was going to be up soon. And so he tells Samuel to go to the house of Jesse. And uh, Jesse was just a, a, a man who was, he was a shepherd. He had, he had sheep, he had, uh, he, he had some animals. And he wasn't a wealthy man, but he had eight sons. And, uh, and he, uh, he, was, he was just, you know, kind of minding his own business. And Samuel comes up and Jesse gets afraid. Like, what, are you here like? You know, this is this man of God who is well known. Uh, you know, it, it, are we in trouble? And Jesse and Samuel says, no, you're okay. So, but we're going to make a sacrifice. I'm here to make sacrifice. And God speaks to Samuel. And we're in chapter 16 as we're picking up the story, if you want to, to find it. First uh, Samuel, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance, because he's sending there to, to Jesse to, the, to find the king. He says the king is going to be in Jesse's home. The new king is going to be in Jesse's home. So he says, don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. God looks at the inside. We look at the outside. Blakey says this. I, I love this quote. I think it's true. He said, the world is full of idolatries. 
But I question if any idolatry has been more extensively practiced than the idolatry of the outward appearance. We tend to make quick judgments on outward appearance. And the measuring stick God, God, of God, God's measuring stick, is the heart. God looks at the heart. He sees the inside. He sees the, the, the person on the inside, not the person on the outside. So Samuel has the, the boys passing by. I'm, and, and, he, and so Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has, chosen not, has not chosen these. These aren't the ones. None of these have what God is looking for. No, what God is looking for is something that anyone can have, but most don't. He's looking for something that anyone can have, but most don't. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet a youngest. There he is keeping the sheep. Now, there remains here the youngest, this shows how low regard David had among his own family. First of all, he doesn't even mention his name, right? His father just says, yeah, there's another one. Um, second, remember when, when Samuel came, he says, we're going to sacrifice. So they're sacrificing a sheep or they're, they're, they're having a feast. They're making a sacrifice and they take the meat from the sacrifice and they eat it, and they're having this feast at the home. David's not even invited to the family feast. He's out there as a shepherd. Now, a shepherd, usually, in, 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 a, in a medium to, to wealthy family, a servant would do the shepherding for the family. That, that, but David is doing it. He's, the, he's one of the sons, and he's doing the shepherding. So he's only called because... Samuel insists, if there's another one, bring, bring them. Because the king's coming out of this household, and the seven I saw are not, are not the ones. Remember this, that those who are rejected by men often become beloved of the Lord. Often become the beloved of the Lord. So... David's been in the field. He's probably around 15 years old. And, um, and in the field with the sheep was his training time. We, we learn a lot about David's life, and we learn a lot about what God did in David's life while he was a shepherd. It was while he was a shepherd that he learned so many things about God. In fact, he wrote probably the most known psalm in the Bible, Psalms 23, as the Lord is my shepherd. He talks about the sheep-shepherd relationship in, in that psalm because of some of the things he learned. But he spent a lot of time alone in the field. And God was shaping his heart at those times. But David had to allow for that to happen. 
in his life. Now, we don't know all that went on, but we read a lot about it. We read about encounters with God that David had probably in the field. Listen, when you're in the field with the shepherds, and you're, you're, you, who do you talk to? You have two options. Either you talk to sheep or you talk to God. And I, I think he spent a lot of time talking with God. And he writes about some of the things he learned during those talks with God. And like, for instance, I can imagine David laying down in the field with all the sheep. You know, they're all laying around. He's got his head on, on a rock, and he looks up, and he sees the, the glory of the heavens. He sees the stars. You know, probably a lot brighter than we ever see them. You have to kind of go to the desert to see them like that or the mountaintop where there's no lights. And he sees the beauty of the stars. And he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. This is what he writes later. And the firmament is handiwork. Ah, I see God's handiwork. I see the glory of God just in the creation of God. So David is learning and he's interacting with God and he's discovering God and it's this training time for eventually he will be a king. But David was looking not only at the creation of God, but he was looking for the heart of God. And it says, Samuel said to Jesse, send the and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. In other words, we're all, nobody's going anywhere till he comes. He's, it, this is important. So he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy, it says, um, and bright eyes and good looking. So probably it, ruddy meaning probably light skin, um, bright eyes, and uh, so he's kind of has this alert, and he's, he's good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that, that day forward. Now, actually, this is the first time David's name is mentioned. And his name means beloved or loved, love, the loved one. So he's beloved or loved one. And the scripture says, prior to this, in 1 Samuel 13, 14, it says, The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord had commanded him to be commander over his people. So the Lord sought for himself a man after his own heart. Luke writes in Acts chapter 13, um, it says, And afterward they, they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will, who will do my will for this man's seed, according to the promise God raised up for Israel, a savior. Now, Jesus is not called the son of Abraham, or the son of Moses, or the son of Elijah. He's called the son of David. And David, with all his flaws, and many of you know the, the story of his life way in, in advance, his failures and his time where he really went away from God, 
and all of that, he's still described as a man after God's own heart because of what had taken place between the heart of David and the heart of God. See, God chose, God's choice of David shows that we don't have to quit our jobs to enter a full-time ministry to the pe be people of God and after God's own heart. We don't need to be famous or prominent to be people after God's own heart. We don't need to be respected or even liked by others to be people after God's own heart. We don't need status, influence, power, respect, approval of men, or, 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 or great responsibility to be people after God's own heart. We can all be people after God's own heart. Now, why, why is this important to God? Because it is, in fact, his highest priority. There are a lot of reasons why he made you. But the number one reason he made you is that you would love him. That you would love him. That is the number one reason you were created. You were created so that you, with a choice, to love God. It's the number one commandment. A, a lawyer came to Jesus. You always have to be, you know, be skeptical when a lawyer comes. But this lawyer comes to Jesus, and he says this. He says, he, he says, what is the greatest commandment? You know, what's the first? What's the most important? And Jesus responds to him in Mark chapter 12, 29. says, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, this is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a commandment. Now, how can God dictate and command love. That doesn't seem to work very well in most cases, right? I, I think the first day I met Carol, if I would have said, you love me, we wouldn't have gone too far in that, um, you know, that relationship. It doesn't work that way. You don't command people to love you, but God does. God actually commands love. And what, and and how can he do that? Well, he's the only one who can do that. He's the only one. Because, listen, when God commands us to love him, he has us in mind. The very best thing that you can ever do for yourself, we could almost call it selfish, but the very best thing that you can ever do for yourself is love God. That's the very best thing that you can ever do in life. It's, it, it, it's the, the greatest goal that you could have is to love God. It's wise, it's, you know, it's right in every way. And, uh, and it's possible. God commands something that you can actually do. When he says love you, see, we can set our love or affection on anything that we choose. We choose to put our love and affections on things. And, and even if we don't have emotional attachment, we can love. We can love in action. Love in action is, learning to love in action is incredibly valuable to us. If you can learn to love in action, a, a lot of relational things can be healed if you, can ha if you t have the possibility and have the ability to love in action even without feeling. 
Now, some of us are so tied to our feelings that we, you know, we, we can't see the, you know, loving someone without feeling love for someone. But the fact is, you can. And sometimes when relationships have, you know, had their rocky times and marriages and so forth, people come in for counseling and we'll say, okay, we're going to work on the, the emotions and work on getting everything healed up, work, work, work on forgiveness and everything. But in the meantime, you know, fake it till you make it. Just love. Just act loving. And you can do that. But we choose to put our affections, you know, where we want to. And when we put our affections on God, we make a choice to love God because of what he's done. He's loved us first. That once we do that, we start loving God because he loved us and because he's lovable. We'll talk about that in a second. What happens is that your emotions follow because you start to discover the God that you're choosing to love. In Psalms 91, it says, because he set his love or his heart upon me, therefore I will deliver him. David set his heart on the Lord. Jesus is an example of that. Psalms 18.1 says, David made a choice to set his heart to love God and he determined to love God. And it says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. So God choose, you know, David choose, uh, chose to love and God desires that we love him. And if you determine to love God and pursue God, then you will fall in love with God in your life. Most of us, when we came to Christ, we were grateful. We felt the release of the burden of sin. We wanted to know God. We, we desired God in our life. We desired God to cleanse us. Most of the thing, time when people come to Christ is because we come to Christ for what God can do for us. We want God to fix us, usually. We come to God at that point, our life is kind of a mess and we're struggling and things aren't working and having God might help. And we open our heart to that and we allow God to come into our life. We accept Christ. But, but there isn't like a deep emotional connection usually at that point. We're grateful. But love like in human relationships grows. You see if, if I love my wife at the same level that I loved her when we got married, I, I would be, it would be um, less than. It would be less than. Hopefully, love grows, it matures, and it gets deeper, actually, as you grow in, you know, in, in, in time. If it's help, if love is, is nourished properly in life. The same is with our love for God. And, uh, and David began that process of loving God and learning to love God. And in Psalms 27, 4, it says, One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, or seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now think about what David's desire, his heart is, his pursuit. It's to see the beauty of the Lord, to discover God. Now, on a physical level, 
the beauty of God must be something amazing. Something amazing. The beauty of the Lord. It's the glory of God. It's the beauty of, of, uh, of who he is. Now, God has to be more beautiful than his creation. He, 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 I, I can't see, believe that God created something more beautiful than himself. He is, uh, you know, beautiful in every way. And the scripture describes him that way, as beautiful. When, when Moses saw him, the glory of his beauty, just a portion of it reflected on him so much that the brightness that the people could not even look upon Moses. And that was just a portion of the glory or the beauty of God. And what David is describing is, he says, I just want a glimpse of the beauty of the Lord. And, and I do not believe that it's simply the outward appearance of the beauty of God. Because you know, the beauty of a person is far more than the outside of a person. The beauty of a person is their heart, it's their soul. And David wanted to see the beauty of the Lord. And he said this, he says, that, that I might, might, this is what I seek, after. this is what I want. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now the house of the Lord was the temple of God. And it's where the presence of God dwelt. And the glory of God was there. And he just wanted to set out a map, you know, a mat, and just lay down in the temple, hoping, hoping that he can get a glimpse more and more of the beauty of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. He says, that's my, that's my number one goal. I, I have a lot of things to do, you know, in life, but there's nothing more important than that. See, David was occupied, he would be occupied with running the kingdom, but his, our, his heart was preoccupied with seeing God's beauty. Seeing the glory of the Lord. Now God is incredibly beautiful, not on, only on the outside, but on the inside. You see, God is a person. You know, we don't think that way. Sometimes our mentality, our, our idea of God is this giant brain with all power. You know, it's kind of science fiction kind of thing. You know, and God is just, you know, he just thinks and he acts and he's all power and he thinks. No, God is a person. We were created in the image of God and he created us as persons with our own personality. You have personality. Everyone has a personality. Some personality is alive and bright and some is dead and whatever. I mean, they're just, they're, there's so many different kinds of personalities, right? God has the best personality. He is the best person. Do you say it that way? He is the best person that there ever has been. He's amazing. He has full understanding of everything. And listen, he, here's some of the things God is. He's kind. God is kind. And he's good. God is really good. And he's pure. And uh, he's really smart. He's really smart. And he's, he's mysterious. There's elements of his personality. There's a mysteriousness about God, isn't there? He, he's extremely passionate and gentle. He's bold. He's humorous. 
God's got a sense of humor. You know? Just look around. <laughs> God's got this great sense of humor. It, and, 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 and you get to see what God is like in his fullest, full essence, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, when you take a look at Jesus and his life on earth, what he was like. Loving, compassionate. Oh, he had, he had times when he was angry. But if you look at the times Jesus was angry, he was usually angry at religious people who were oppressing others. He, he, he despised oppression. He despised where people were being taken advantage of. He despised people putting heavy burdens on people unwarranted. That's what he despised. And that's when he got angry. But it was always in defense of, of people who were defenseless. That was the heart of God. That's that, we see the heart of God in that. We see the personality of God in that. If, if, if God was a human being, like Jesus was, and you hung around, he wasn't here to, to redeem the world, he was just here as a person, you would want to be his best friend. Absolutely. You would love hanging out with him. Can I say that again? Because you don't think of him that way, most of you. You would love hanging out with him. You'd say, hey, Jesus, let's go to a ball game, you know, or whatever it is that you, let's, let's, you would love for G God to hang out with. That's who he is. That's his personality. And if you don't see him that way, it's because you have not pursued him enough to discover him. And that's what it means to have a heart after God. That's what that means. A heart after God. See, you, can, you, you get passion for God by learning about God's passion for you. And so, David, he was fascinated with God. He, he wanted more of God. Because... Listen, folks, God has, he is a person. He has emotions. We kind of discover this in deeper, too, a little bit further, deep, deeper in this. But the, the emotional makeup of God, he has emotions. And we never, we never pursue discovery of God that way. You pursue the discovery of the emotions of God and the personality of God by asking the why question. Okay, it's not in your notes, but you might want to make reference to this. You, you pursue and you learn about the emotion of God by asking the why question, not just the what question. The what question is this. You know, what, did God, what does God do? Okay, he's done a lot of things, right? And so he, he created the universe. That's pretty cool. And he created you and he he's done a lot of things he died on the cross for you he did a lot of things god does that's the what question but it's the why question that gets you to understand the the person of god so when you look at the heavens and the, and, and the and what few stars you might see on a night in orange county or the moon or whatever it is, or you look at the beautiful sunrise, that's the what? Oh, wow, that's God created that. But when you ask the why question, 
you start asking, why did God do that? When you're holding a little infant in your hand, that's a creation of God. But the why? When you take a bite of a banana cream pie, <laughs> that's the what. But why? Why did that taste so good? When you're hiking up on the top of the high Sierras beyond the timber line and there's nothing but rock, but out of a crevice comes this little beautiful little flower. You ask the why question. The why question is that if by chance a son or daughter of Adam would be passing by, they could enjoy the beauty of that flower. See, the why question, that, that gets to the heart of God. Because almost all why questions, in fact, all why questions are because God loves us. And even the difficult things, you can ask the why question, as long as your attitude is right, you can ask any why question. But it brings you to the personality of God. It brings you to the emotion of God. It brings you to the heart of God. When you start to do that, you starting, you're starting to pursue God, the God who loves you so much that if you lose, you know, a strand of hair, he knows it. He cares so much. He is so intimate with you. He cannot keep his eyes off of you. You understand? He cannot keep his eyes off of you. See, the Bible says he, he's numbered the hairs on our head. That is more than just like he knows we lost a hair. He actually has a number for every hair on your head. Now, some of those numbers are large and some are very small. God is fully engaged. Listen, that's not just that's not just poetic talk. He knows when a sparrow falls. He is fully engaged. He is fully aware. He has fully kept his eyes on you. He fully has purpose. He fully knows. And that's the God that David said, you know, I just want to get a another glimpse of his beauty. That, that's a God that David discovered in the field with a bunch of sheep. Because he spent enough time with talking with God. He spent enough time saying, God, you want to go down to the water hole with me? I got to take some sheep with me. You see? He spent enough time that God became his friend. And that's the thing that God wants most. Really? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's the thing that God pursues most. There, there's a lot of other things. 
There's a lot of other things that are important. But there's nothing more important to God than that you love him. And we spend so much time just trying to make God into Santa Claus because we just want him to give, give us stuff. And that's what we're all about. And God would love a little bit of attention. And when you think about that, the God of the universe who has all power would humble himself enough to go, yeah, I want to hang out with you. How humble is that? Because I don't even want to hang out with me sometimes. Right? Would, would you reject him? Would you reject his love? David was just a man. All kinds of flaws. But one thing that keeps coming up about David, he wanted to hang out with God. He pursued God's heart. And that's what he's asking us to do. Would you pray with me? Lord, um, it is humbling to it's humbling to us to think that you desire our love, that you would even want or even care about our the, what we think of you and how we, Lord, how we relate to you, Lord, um, and it's it's so sad in my heart to know how little we pay attention to that. And so, Lord, I, on behalf of our congregation, I'm not, I know I can't speak for everybody, but I know that there are people in this room right now would say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for ignoring that in our life so much. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the things we want that we forget the greatest gift is you and that Lord we would um, we would Lord begin making a shift in our life even our time and our energy that Lord we will always be engaged as your word says to pray without ceasing that we will stay in a in a state of relationship with you throughout the day and we'll take Lord special time alone with you and we will pursue you by studying and learning about you in your word and by entertaining an ongoing conversation with you, by observing what you have done and ask the why question. And I pray, Lord, for people who are far from you right now that, Lord, they've never actually even began a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And I, I pray you touch them. And I want to address those of you that are here, say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life and uh, I want to accept him as my savior and if that's you I want to invite you to a prayer I just want you to pray this simple prayer just say you can you can, you can just breathe it um, you know quietly whisper it but say this dear God I believe that Jesus Christ is a son of God who died for my sins 
and was buried and rose again. And Jesus, I want to receive you as my Savior. I want to put my faith in you. You made the sacrifice for me. I ask you to cleanse my soul. I've sinned. I've failed you in my life many times. But I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse my soul. And help me because I want to get to know you. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to in a moment just worship. But do you want to hear some good news? A couple of you do. We'll meet afterwards. <coughs> Let me give you a little bit of good news. Last week we talked um, here over a month ago, we talked about, uh, you know, an income stream that dried up for us outside, uh, 27%. We asked you to pray. There's been an increase of about 8%. And, uh, and then we got another outside income stream for 6%. But let me tell you, that, you keep praying about that. That's, that needs to keep going. But this, this week we got news of something. When we started praying, something was set in motion for us, our, um, our electric bill, our utility bill, is quite expensive. In fact, uh, according to California, I, I don't know what your electric bill is, but whatever your electric bill is, it's probably multiply it by 100, and you'll come up with our electric bill is every month. It's, it's, uh, it's expensive. Well, I, I guess I could just say it. We're, on average, it's $20,000 a month. This last month, it was during the summer, it was 27000 Now, you would expect something like that if you understand why in our in our in, in, the, in that. We've had the city come out, Anaheim, come out and try to help us. They did thorough, like, breakdown twice for us and said, this is what you need to do to get the electric down. And uh, one of their suggestions is replace every light in this building that's one of the ways to do it 1500 uh, fixtures over 1500 fixtures in this building completely replaced them it's a it's a daunting thing it's about two hundred thousand dollars to get that done well here's the deal what God did in this time those same guys that did that we were able to secure with the city of Anaheim a $100,000 rebate. They're going to give us 100000 a grant for $100,000. But then, okay, isn't that good? But you're going, but that's another 100000 No, it's actually only 38000 because we got the company to, to drop their price and actually to tie back to us um, some, some of that. So it's going to cost us 38000 which... In four months, that will come back to us. We, the, in four months, it will come back to us. So, so keep praying, right? Keep praying. And by the way, that, um, that should drop pretty close to half our, our bill in, in, uh, in electric. It's almost half the, our, our total bill will be dropped when we do this. They're, they're starting, or they're bringing stuff in and starting this week. So by next week, maybe we'll, you'll see different lighting. The, the lighting actually is, is better than what we have. It's superior lighting. 
So, um, isn't that God good? You keep praying about that too, all right? Keep doing that. We're going to receive the offering. We're going to worship God with our gifts and with our heart, okay? With our gifts and with our, our voices as we lift up to the Lord. And uh, this is a good time. Listen, the God who loves you and wants you to love him, let's pursue him. His presence is here. Let's pursue him. Well, Father, we ask that you bless as we bring our gifts to you. Be honored and with the Lord, with the worship of our heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh. You don't owe me anything and more than anything that you can do. I just want you. I'm sorry, and I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry. Just sing another song and take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry, and I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry, I forgot. That you're enough and take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence, and I just wanna sit here at your
this morning. We honor you this morning, Lord. We want more of your presence in our lives, God. More of your presence in the earth, God. You are the king above all kings, Lord. The name above all other names. And yet, Lord, you want us to pursue your presence, God. To seek after your heart. So, Lord, teach us how to see your love more. Teach us how to love you more. Teach us how to pursue you, God. We praise you this morning. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen, Amen, church. We'll be blessed. The prayer room is open. Encourage you guys to go seek out some prayer. We'll see you next week.